What's going on, guys? Mark Gaberti, host of the Ditch the Job podcast here, the guy who helps you get more visibility for your work. And we have a very fascinating story. We have a guest who had six jobs in seven years and proceeded to leave her six-figure job to pursue her business full-time. So we're going to get into that story and all of the juicy lessons you're going to learn throughout our guest journey. She is an entrepreneur, upcoming author, and mindset coach. Living life with intention has helped her move across the country, build a thriving business, and travel the world. Her mission is to flip your perspective on what's possible, which starts and ends with the power you already have to choose what you want and when you want it. Our guest who joins us is none other than Jessica Fiefels. Jessica, welcome to the show. Wow, what an intro. That was nice. Thank you. <laughs> Jessica, I am so happy to have you on Ditch the Job. And for people, you know, they're looking to leave their jobs or they're looking to reinvent themselves. It's interesting how you went on this path of six jobs in seven years, and then you found your way to having your full-time business. So I wonder if you could talk about just that journey of six jobs in seven years and how it leads to the ending of the business. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I had a lot of jobs and I think it was a mix of being antsy in one position at a time, um, but also wanting to very intentionally level up in my career, wanting to move into the next step. I mean, to be honest, I didn't necessarily know that I wanted to be a business owner. I knew that I had crappy bosses and I thought I could definitely do this better than them. Um, but for the most part, I was just trying to move up the ladder, take the next level position, maybe potentially get into an executive position. You know, I was just trying to make more money and, and do more stuff. Um, and I really had actually fallen into self-employment um, because I was working at one job. It was, I was so happy that there, it was a small educational startup. Um, there was only about 12 of us. So we were really close. We were like a family. And unfortunately our lead investor, um, no longer wanted to invest in the company. And so that meant that the owners who were actually are younger than me. So at the time I was probably 26 or 27 and they were like 24 and 25. Um, and they had to let pretty much everyone go. So I stayed on sort of part-time um, just managing what I was doing, which was I was the director of social outreach. So I was managing the blog, which was driving a lot of leads and had become a really valuable business tool for us. So they wanted to keep me on to manage that. But I was in a position where I, I got another job about three days later. But within the first day or two of being at the job, it was like, I immediately felt like I'd been broken up with and I wasn't ready to be in another relationship is the only way I can describe it. Like I was in meetings thinking, I don't care. I don't care about what you guys are doing. I don't want to, I can't provide my greatest value and be the best that I can be right now. So I had said to my husband, um, I think I'm going to leave this job. I know I've only been there for a week, but I'm really unhappy. And this was on a Tuesday. And he was like, okay, well, like we kind of need you to have another job first. You can't just like walk away. And in that moment I understood like, yeah, of course I need to hold up my end of the bargain here, my, you know, my side of things here. But, um, 
if I don't, I have to leave. Like, I just can't. I was crying on the way home. I just felt awful. I had this pit in my stomach. So the next day I got an email from someone on Indeed who had seen my resume and they were curious to interview me. And it was going to essentially, that's what put me into self-employment. So that was a Tuesday. I got the email to interview on a Wednesday. I interviewed on a Thursday. I had the job by Friday. So I had in fact gotten a job by Friday, <laughs> despite what anyone would have thought might have happened. Um, so that was great. That job was um, fully remote. I was able to completely manage my time and my schedule. And that sort of plopped me into this sort of self-employment place where I was completely managing my own work. Um, and that was amazing. And after about a year and a half of working with this particular digital agency, I, was, I had brought on some clients of my own and sort of was building this side hustle that was happening kind of organically. And I was getting bored again. And I had an opportunity to take this VP position. It wasn't a VP position. I asked for that title um, and they gave it to me. But it was a high level position within the company. And within two months, I was miserable. I hated working for someone else. I had gotten so used to working for myself, managing my time. Um, and this, this position um, was flying me. You know, I flew to Tokyo first class. I flew to... Puerto Rico first class. I was doing everything you do in a six-figure VP position, but I was miserable. And so basically I was, I looked it up and it's called golden handcuffs when you're making a lot of money. So you feel like you can't leave. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. That's definitely me right now. Um, and so I was again, agonizing, do I leave? Do I not leave? Do I stay? Am I being a brat by wanting to leave? I'm making so much money. And finally, one day I asked myself, I said, if I died tomorrow, would I be happy with how I spent the last six months? And the, the answer was totally crystal clear. No. So that is how I basically started. I pulled back to part-time in that VP position and they actually ended up letting me go three weeks later because I think they felt I wasn't fully committed, which to be fair to them, I, I wasn't. I didn't want to be a part of the company, but I didn't trust my business to go full-time yet. So they let me go. That was a Friday. And that next Monday I said, okay, taking this full time, going to have to make it work. This is what's going on. And the rest is history. <laughs> and that was uh, almost two years ago. And it's interesting how you, you, if you ask yourself that question, like if I die tomorrow, am I happy with how I carried myself, conducted myself for the past six months? That's where you get to the uh, revealing stuff. That's where you really get to see what you truly want to do versus what you're doing right now. And you see some differences. And you just got to address that. For a lot of people, it's uh, getting out of the job. It's like remote work is a great starting point for people. And then you just eventually want to embrace the business. So now that, you know, uh, let's take it back. Like you get out of the job, uh, you realize, oh, I have to work on my business full time. What are some of the things you're doing in those early stages to bring in the money that you need and do the business stuff that you have to do? Yeah, I was working a lot. Um, I was working like 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., um, but that wasn't all at my computer. One of the first things I knew I needed to start doing was networking. So um, we can network virtually right now, which is great, but I was out getting into in-person events. So that was really, really valuable in a few ways. I didn't really get a lot of clients. I did get one client um, in that time uh, while I was networking, but that client um, asked me to do something that I wasn't offering yet as a service, which was coaching. 
Um, she wanted help with social media, but she didn't want someone to manage it for her. She wanted to, to learn how to do it. And I was like, I could do that. I could coach you how to do this. Um, and that actually, so out of that, out of networking and meeting her, that created this whole other service that I now offer that's um, really popular that I do all the time, which is marketing coaching. Um, so there's a lot of networking and um, just really leaning on my current clients and asking for referrals where possible, reaching out to editors that I'd worked with in years past and seeing if there were any paid freelance opportunities. Like what I continually do from like when I first started and even now is just really leveraging my network, which I've been building over the eight years I've been, you know, in this business, I've been building relationships that I'm able to lead on now. I mean, building a network, that's the most important thing you can be doing to take your business to the next level because you get clients there, you get referrals there, especially the in-person touch where you do have that deeper element. Virtual events and virtual networking is amazing and can do a lot just in that. But in-person networking is really where relationships truly shine and go to that next level. I'm wondering with all the networking you do, how do you stay in touch with all the people you network with and determine which people you should prioritize? That's a good question, which people to prioritize. Um, I stay in touch, honestly, a lot of the people in my network, which are, are a lot of female business owners, I stay in touch with them through Instagram. And so we're always supporting one another. I'm seeing their projects and sharing them. And so it's sort of that vice versa. I support you, you support me. Um, and then a lot of people that are in my network are people that I work with, um, that I get links for, for my clients when I'm doing link building. So I'm just trying to keep those relationships active. So always reaching out to submit another guest post, which is what our relationship is based off of, um, seeing if I can provide them with anything, trying to be of value, um, is one of, you know, is one of the main ways of staying in contact just, and I, I use a great tool called, um, boomerang which um, attaches to, it just is like an inbox extension. Um, so it's uh, an extension of your Gmail. And I just put a reminder to follow up with people like a month later. So you can say like, if no response, um, return email in one month or whatever the case may be, two days, three mm -hmm. weeks. Um, and so that's a great way for me to stay in contact with people because I don't even have to think about it. I just put the reminder and then the email comes back to me in you know a month or whatever. Yeah, I mean, using those types of automations, I like to use a tool called Spark Inbox, which Gmail lets you do this. It lets you schedule the emails uh, yeah. so that, you know, for a podcast host, you want to tell people when the episode's out. That's just one of the ways you market your show. But if you have to be there every day to tell people, you're going to forget on some days. So it's better to pick one day out of the week to schedule all those emails versus having to remember day of to keep doing that stuff and having that strategic networking is valuable because we can't remember all the networking that we have to do there's so many people who we touch there's so many people who know us and that's just going to be some of the ways you automate that mm -hmm. and one of the things i feel like people are not always good at is okay they have the network but then how does that transition into clients and cash? What strategies do you have? 
Yeah, providing value first and foremost, um, being really, I always openly say, what can I do for you right now? What can I do for you in the future? What projects are you working on that I can help promote? Um, I think that's the best, best method and to just be personable. And, you know, I feel like it's easy to fall into when you're emailing to reconnect with someone like a very business, businessy type of language. Um, but just keeping it light and human, like my emails, I put exclamation marks and smiley faces and you know, that's just me. So just trying to be me even digitally because that's what people are getting in person. And I think that's what drives the connection when they can feel my energy and, and see the, like, like you can see right now I'm talking with my hands. <laughs> um, so trying to bring that into the communication and just making it a priority to stay in touch, just like you make it a priority to stay connected with clients or to do client work. It's like maybe even once a month, you put something on your calendar to just follow up with some people that are in your network who maybe you think could help you with something or that you haven't, uh, you know, touched base with in a while. Just make it a priority to stay in contact. I feel like, and then don't be afraid to ask for what you need, I suppose is probably even more important being very clear and specific about what you need help with. Um, cause it can be scary to ask for help, but I mean, realistically, the worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to ignore you. And the second worst thing is they'll say no. And if they say no, no big deal. You just find someone else. And Jessica brings up a great insight that you do have to keep reaching out to these people and it is okay to ask for help. In fact, asking for help is a way to build a relationship deeper uh, based on me personally, I ask people to subscribe to my YouTube channel for all my YouTube subscription goals, like 2020 ending that year with 10,000 YouTube subscribers. And people really respond to that stuff very well. So when you do ask for help, it's a little bit of that vulnerability factor and you do get people to embrace the mission that you're on. And one of the things I do want to get into is I feel like when people get started with like, you know, getting clients, whether it's coaching clients or services clients, like you want them now, like you want that first call to turn into a client. And for people who actually do get that scenario, like this is your first contact with them, they become a client. I feel like there's a expectation that that kind of stuff happens again in the future. So can you give us an idea of how much of a follow-up it usually takes to get a client? Like, are we talking like, uh, in your case, in like three months or six months or shorter than that, like what does that follow-up look like from learning about you from the first time to being a client? That's a really good question. Um, it, and I don't know about for other people, but for me, it really varies. I think it just depends on what stage of the funnel they're in when they're reaching out to me. So whether they're in the phase where they, for example, I just brought on a new client two months ago, um, a retainer client. She called me and she signed a contract within four days because she had been doing research for months. She'd been looking for people that do what I do, but either the price was too low and it was like, there's no way this is actually a valuable service or the price was way too high. And she was like, that's not worth the value. Um, and she found me and I was right where she was anticipating it should be in terms of price. And so she signed really fast mm -hmm. versus, um, I have one client that I wrote guest posts for them for three years before taking on a paying, um, which I was getting something out of that because I was getting client links and their clients were paying me. But before they became a paying client, you know, it took three years. So I think it just depends. And that's why I think the most important part is the follow-up and the follow-up is the same no matter what. For me, 
Um, I usually follow up two to four days after the initial outreach because it's still fresh in their mind. And then again, I'll use Boomerang to um, send me back that email if they haven't responded. So I would, I get the response, I email back, I set it to send back to me in two days if they haven't responded. In two days, I send a follow-up, I have the email come back to me in another week if they haven't responded. And then if after, uh, if after that, basically at that point, that's almost 10 to 15 days, I'll set a reminder to reach out in like three weeks or a month. Um, because obviously they're doing something and they're not interested in connecting with me, but I don't want to lose that connection. Um, and then, you know, a month later, I've gotten clients when I do that follow-up a month or two months later too. Um, so yeah, it's just about staying top of mind, but respectfully and tactfully, mm -hmm. you know, like sending seven emails over the course of two weeks. Like I wouldn't work with you. Like if you were trying to get me to work with you, I would not. After seven emails, I would say you obviously have an issue. <laughs> you do not know how to do business. You know, I'm not going to work with someone that does that. So being tactful about it, I think two follow-ups over the course of 10 days is reasonable. Um, without sort of badgering them and then setting a reminder to follow up, you know, maybe as soon as two weeks after that. Um, but unless your email's falling in spam, they're seeing it, they're just choosing not to respond and there's a reason. So the more you poke at them, I feel like the less likely they are to convert. Hmm. Yeah. And it's really interesting. I like how Jessica mentions both of those examples. You can get someone to convert in a few days. In my experience, you get those types of clients when you meet them in person and you have them on your podcast or you get to talk to them afterwards. Like the in-person really speeds things up. But then you have the other client. I mean, Jessica, you know, three whole years of writing guest posts and then the person becomes a client. So don't give up on a person who seems like they could be a good fit for your products and services because you never know where the relationship can take you. And if you guys are looking to grow your businesses and accelerate, Jessica is the right person for that. So for people who want to follow your working journey, where do we go? Yeah, uh, you can find me at just jessicathiefels.com. If you search Jessica Thiefels, I'm the only one in the world, literally. So you will only find me, <laughs> which is great. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram. I talk a lot about mindset and intentional living on Instagram. Um, and that's the home for uh, my podcast that is launching on April 15th called Mindset Reset Radio. Um, and then if you want to talk marketing, um, head to my website or follow me on Twitter. I'm all content marketing all day, every day on, uh, on Twitter. And I offer um, consulting and coaching. Um, so if you're curious about getting some support with your organic content marketing efforts, um, definitely get in touch. We'll have those links down below in the show notes. Everyone who wants to follow Jessica and her work will also have a link to my uh, uh, strategy call link for anyone who wants to just chat with me about podcasting, YouTube, or self-publishing. But Jessica, thank you so much for joining us on Dips the Job. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. So happy to share.